for joining me for another awesome episode of the Let's Make Some Shit podcast. As always, I am your host, Ray, and my podcast support human known as Resonance has sick children, so she can't make it today. So you guys are stuck with me. I know, I know, but she'll be back. Um, but I am joined here today, live and recording from my lady laboratory. I have a very special guest today, and we are going to be talking about something that's maybe a little bit different from some of our other episodes, um, but my guest is a maker. He is a self-described maker, and he makes all kinds of cool shit. Um, but today we are going to be talking about mod synth, and I know very little about it. I'm not a very musically inclined person, but I know a lot of our listeners are into music. Um, and he did uh, correct me and say this isn't maybe necessarily music. But anyway, I am going to <laughs> learn a lot, and I think that a lot of you guys will learn some things too and find this very interesting. Um, so welcome to the show, Peter. How are you doing today? Doing, doing all right. Thank you. So we got this. We got one of these mods set up in front of us. I don't know if you care to maybe tell the audience a little sure. bit about yourself, yeah. or just jump right in and talk about what we have going on here. So just in general, a, a synthesizer is a, an electronic instrument that's made to you know synthesize the sound of um, you know a traditional instrument or um, just any other you know old waveform, and uh, you know they're used widely in, in pop music and in all kinds of different genres. Um, you know, they're very versatile um, because you can program just about any sound that you want. Um, you know, they find all kinds of applications in, in uh, not just music, but in uh, just general sound design and Foley art for, uh, you know, movies and, and cinema and all that. Um, so a modular synthesizer is basically broken down into components um, essential elements um, so uh, I'd say like consumer um, synthesizers um, are kind of all in one they're they're all connected all the different elements so there's you know uh, envelopes and oscillators and all these different um, electrical uh, components that come together to make the you know, the system that's known as a synthesizer but originally uh, synthesizers weren't really made you know mass market and uh, so they were kind of pieced together, and depending on what the you know musician or sound you know uh, experimenter you know depending on the needs of his system, he could you know buy a la carte the uh, the modules that uh, were going to build you know his synthesizer. And this is you know the 60s and 70s I'm talking about. Um, so that that kind of general idea persisted in the industry over you know the generations, and uh, I think it was 25 some odd years ago. Um, uh, a guy who founded um, uh, Behringer, he also worked on the standard of Eurorack, which is what this synthesizer is based on. Just and Eurorack standard being, you know, the voltage that the modules run on, the the ranges that it uses to to make different tones, and um, so it uses zero to five and zero to twelve or negative twelve, positive twelve uh, volts DC. Um, to control the um, the pitches, and 
And I'll, I've taken a, a few pictures and some videos of his setup that I'll, I'll post on uh, Discord and, and Twitter if he allows it. So you can kind of, you know, get a visual idea of what it is that we're talking about. Because, I mean, it it's like a, a board with like, oh my gosh, so many knobs and switches and uh, plugins, you know, and it. It's it's very interesting looking. So yeah, they're like headphone jacks. Yeah, basically. So for the uh, patching together of the modules to make the circuits that make the sound, it uses three point five millimeter stereo headphone jacks. Basically, um, some of the jacks are stereo output, um, but m most of them are mono, and so that that's just a convenient connector to use because they're so widespread and they're everywhere and they're cheap to make. And anyway, so I was talking about the Eurorack standard. So the standard itself is just a description of, you know, the, the height of the uh, width between the screws that mounted onto the frame and the, um, you know, the connectors that it uses underneath to, uh, to power the individual modules. So, uh, you know, what, that's what I've done here is I've pieced together, um, you know, a, a rack of about, oh, I don't know, 20 modules, different ones. Uh, that I decided to put into this enclosure, which has a power supply built into it, which is really convenient. Mm -hmm. um, it was, um, and w what's really cool about Eurorack right now is there's been kind of a renaissance or a resurgence, and there's a lot of new manufacturers popping up making these modules, and there's just a lot of new um, new content material that people are are you know generating for for this standard, and it's it's really kind of taken over. Uh, as far as modular synthesizers go, this, the format that people use, uh, originally like the Moog, you know, uh, wall of sound kind of synthesizers that had, you know, they were like six foot to the ceiling and, um, you know, they were huge wooden cabinets. Um, it's a totally different standard. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if the voltage range they use is, is, is similar, but they're just gigantic. Um, Moog, I believe they still release a few modules, um, you know, manufacture and sell that are in the old standard, which is, uh, I think it's a variant of DIN, which is the, like the Deutsch International um, standard that we still use in, the, in our, in our mm -hmm. world today in, in electrical cabinets and everything. Um, I got into it about, I don't know, seven years ago. Um, I had just had an interest in electronics. I went to engineering school, but definitely not for electrical. Um, but I, so I think I was telling you earlier offline that um, the senior project that I was working on um, when I was working on my degree, it was so dependent upon the electrical systems in its final execution that you know I had to bring in you know uh, extra guys to help out. You mm -hmm. know, and and I watched them you know apply their expertise in electronics to. Um, you know, this project they were working on, you know, to finish our degree. And I was like, man, I couldn't, I can really do a lot more if I've got electrical know-how. And that kind of planted the seed in my mind. Um, and then two years into my first engineering job out of school, I got, um, I, I finally bit the bullet. And this is the first module I bought. It's a Clavis Twin Waves. I'm not paid by Clavis, so I'm not, you know, <laughs> but it, I, I liked it because it has two oscillators. Um, it also has a quantizer built in. So what a quantizer does is it takes what are essentially these analog control voltages from the signal generators and depending on what scale like musical scale you select it will um i guess just kick the notes up or down so that the overall notes that are played is actually in a musical scale and you can do you know c sharps okay. and, you know, d major whatever um and you can pick 
even um, the scales that are built into the quantizer are really cool. Like I currently have it on a blues scale because it, which is just like a basic pentatonic blues, um, you know, five note. And I just kind of like how it sounds, but I mean, there's all kinds of like ethnic um, scales that you can get and you can play some. like octaves. Can we um, play some examples? Sure. Yeah, I can do that. So I guess what I'm going to do is I'm just going to make a basic sine wave, a sinus wave, sinus referring to like actual our breath. It's kind of like a Latin based word. Um, and, and I will say that so on this thing, there's like a little screen that that shows the waveform that's being created and how the certain knobs and levers that he is, you know, adjusting or manipulating is changing it and it produces like we were kind of playing with it before we started recording and it's and it's really cool uh, to see the different effects um, and then hear how they sound and and I'm sure you'll get into it but it's I mean you said you can produce scales and everything and um, and even just from like hearing you play with it like I don't know I imagine there's a bit in like getting into like producing a kind of final piece Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I think early on, you know, I, I mentioned that or you did that, you know, it's it's occasionally musical, you know, mm -hmm. most of the time it just kind of makes some weird bleeping sounds, you know, mm -hmm. you know, or, or even obnoxious sounds that bother other people. So, you know, I, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> so what let me ask you then, um, what would you use it for like is like a is a piece of a song, you know, or background music for a video, or what are like the applications of? Yeah, all of the above. I mean, those are those are you know two really great examples of, of how modular synths are used. You know, you can use it to sort of like as a sound design tool to make like a single sound that can then be sampled, you know, recorded digitally, and then used, um, you know, triggered um, as a sample by, you know, a, a digital computer, you know, or, or some sort of, you know, microcontroller. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, can, so can you, like, give an example, or do you know of an example that maybe people would recognize if you told them that a synthesizer was used in that song or in that a particular... Uh, you know, it's something that people might know of if you told them. Sure. So, um, I guess a, a real quick uh, segue is sort of a, an example or a description of analog versus digital. So, analog is basically it's um, in theory an infinite range of values. You know that are you know, sweeping across a voltage range. Now, digital you can use to do a, a whole lot or uh, just more in terms of like the the harmonics and the depth and, and the actual sound side of it so a lot of what i've talked about so far is describing the analog circuitry okay. which just uses um basic you know voltage generation now with digital it's kind of a different animal one of the modules that i have here uh, it's called Plonk. It's made by IntelliGel, and it's uh, it's kind of like a percussion module, but it also has some other samples built into it. And so what this will do is, when it's triggered by something like Pamela, um, it will make a sound. And because it has its own memory and like little uh, sample manager, I can pick one. So to that effect, 
you you said you know can you make something that's recognizable and there are some that are like in this case this is a clap sound that has been in probably 10,000 songs that uh, you know maybe one or two of which you, you heard and this might ring a bell or you know or clap a hand so mm -hmm. I'm gonna patch the output of plonk into the input of the mixer so let's just I'm gonna turn the oscillator down for a minute and then to trigger it, I'm gonna set it up with Pamela. Okay, so it's actually making a clap sound because I'm you know, just touching the oh, patch yeah. cable because it's grounding it out. You know, uh -huh. That's ground, that's uh, 12 or five. So I'm gonna plug it into, I think patch four is uh, a non-obnoxious, uh, yeah, I'm just gonna turn it up a little bit and it's gonna make a sort of clap sound. Mm. It, so it, it's an old, 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 old clap sample that was on one of the first drum machines, and it's basically just uh, they've used an an at this time an analog synthesizer, and th this is being played by a digital device. But um, originally they would use uh, like a kind of like a random voltage generator. It would just create basically white noise and then they would run that through an envelope mm -hmm. and that would just make sort of like a burst of white noise and that's really all all that Can this is. Can you explain to the audience what an envelope is? Sure, sure. So, um, like I started out in the beginning, you know, you can just have a basic oscillator and that plays a tone that can, you know, be varied in frequency, up or down. You can hear the quantizer. Mm -hmm. So that's not very analog. I can turn it off for a second. Okay, so that's actually varying it analog style. It sounds like um, what they would use in Star Trek. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the phaser right here. That's yeah. the phaser knob. So, anyway. I lost my train of thought. Oh, you were talking about the clap. Okay, envelope. Yeah, you envelope. Yes. Right. So, so you know, just having a straight tone like that, that's that's no fun, mm -hmm. right? Because it's just droning on and on and on. So they invented envelopes as a way to modulate the amplitude of the wave, you know, or the loudness of the wave over time, according to a, a set of, you know, let's say four variables to control. You know how intense it starts up how you know initially it decays a little bit and if you're holding the note down how long it sustains while you're holding it down and then when you release how long it takes for it to go you know from where it was to zero amplitude okay so what i'm just going to do is i'm going to patch in to a vca which is a, a voltage controlled amplifier so the ADSR envelope generator and the VCA are going to work together. The ADSR envelope is just going to tell the amplifier what to do. So to do that, I'm going to plug the output of the envelope generator into the input control voltage of the amplifier. And then I will patch to the output to speaker just the mix out. So we've got, and then going into the in of the amplifier is going to be 
the out of our oscilloscope, which is going to get the... Okay, so right now the filter is wide open. I think, I think what I could do... Oh, that's the second one. Uh, I just broke my own brain. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we can always edit it. Oh, Pamela, my bad. I forgot about Pamela. So she's gonna, so... And that's the name of one of his modules. Sorry. It's funny, it says Pamela's New Workout, and I don't know if it has anything to do with it, but it's funny and I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's, um, th th I think the reason that they gave it that name is because it's essentially, what it is is it generates um, triggers, which are just gates, which aren't quite as detailed, so to speak, as the control voltages. The control voltages, you know, create an analog signal um, that can be, you know, setting, you know, like a knob, you know, gives you an example. Mm -hmm. um, with a gate signal, it's basically just an on. And in a, in a sense, it's digital because it's either on or off. Mm -hmm. And so I think they gave it the name Pamela's New Workout because there's eight of them and you could create rhythm. And so it's oh. sort of, in theory, it could be like the brain of a rhythm synthesizer. Okay. So like I have Delptronic's Thunderbell, which I think is like a one-man operation. Um, this cowbell could be triggered by Pamela's new workout very percussively, um, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. So it's kind of like a little bit of layering to get, it sounds like you're like kind of like layering different pieces from each of these modules exactly. to get the final sound that you're looking for. Exactly, yeah. So all the modules, in a sense, they have traditional uses in a general circuit for making a sound, but because everything is modular, um, you could have some, let's say, creative flair and do something that doesn't really make any sense, but you don't know exactly if it's going to sound good or not. Mm -hmm. You could, let's say, uh, have the envelope control the pitch of the cowbell so that in addition to the, uh, the amplitude changing over time, mm -hmm. because the um, envelope's also controlling the pitch, it's going to have... Um, a, diff a different pitch, so the pitch will follow the envelope. So I'm gonna plug Pamela into the gate, and that's gonna start triggering the envelope, which is, and that is patched through just fine. Okay. So this has got a long dis de uh, release. You can see here it kind of trails off. It starts relatively sharp. Right, mm -hmm. and, you, and that does kind of reflect in you know where, where this. So there's four sliders, just to you know uh, describe it, um, and so these four sliders left to right control the different you know attack, decay, sustain, release, like I described a few minutes ago. So if I open the attack up, it's just going to be wide open. But if I close it up, oh. So right now, I'm just kind of, you know, playing with the elemental building blocks of, of sound, you know, which is just waves. How long did it take you to kind of get a handle on all this? Because there's, like there's a lot of ports and a lot yeah. of modules put together that do different things, you know, and I feel like, like you said, it is kind of just like a lot of playing around, you know, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I started out reading a lot on Reddit. Okay. You know, people talking about the, you know, they would post, there's a really, really great resource called um, 
uh, modular grid and it, it's got a really cool builder and all almost all of the manufacturers of these modules have created um, sort of like little footprint files just like the electronic component manufacturers have done mm -hmm. and so in this uh, modular grid which I'm not paid by at all mm -hmm. they have um, created this little builder so that all of the uh, you know physical modules that I have in my rack on this uh, modular grid side I also have a digital representation that I planned out on this website oh, okay. because all of the mods modules before I bought them they were already there so I uh -huh. could just kind of see because get you know a, a big part of the I don't know. Fun of it is getting what you want to fit in the enclosure that you have. Okay. Um, and so because when you're planning this out, I could quote unquote planning because a lot of it was just kind of, you know, over the months and, you know, last few years, I just thought, well, maybe I'll try this one or try that one. Uh -huh. And then, you know, I've got probably another 20 modules that aren't even in this case. You know, I think I've got 10 at work. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> another 10 at home, you know, um, the used market is is pretty healthy so you know if you buy one that you decide you know you don't really you're not really utilizing you sell them on ebay pretty close to what you paid for them they don't really depreciate because a lot of them are manufactured in such limited numbers it's the price range for like a module from uh so right now bearing an average you know range so per module on the like, let's just say on the low side, if you if you're interested in just getting started with modular sense, about fifty to eighty bucks per module, um, and that's just because of um, Behringer has started mass producing them. So for years and years, it was all just like boutique synth, you know, five person operation, one person operation would you know print their own circuit boards, you know, or have them manufactured overseas and then you know market them. Um, could probably point do I not have one of his on here right now no if somebody were to get started what's the minimum number of modules okay that, right like, which ones would you recommend if somebody wanted to get started yes. they, they need so I really like clavis the twin waves it's pretty small uh, it was my first module because it has two oscillators it has a built-in uh, um, what's the advantage of having two oscillators so you can self patch so one of the oscillators you can configure as an LFO or a low frequency oscillator and that can be used to create control voltages that can control oscillator to pitch or their um, phase shifting if it's a, a multi-wave um, it, it's kind of easier for me to uh, you know play but basically you can get the fun of patching with just this one module. Okay. Which is really kind of the whole point of modular synthesizers is being able to use them in really unconventional ways. You know, I've really just been describing the fundamentals and just kind of glossing over the, the deeper side of it. But what's really cool about them is, you know, uh, exploring, you know, really figuring out. That's what I was going to say. Ways. It seems like a lot of just kind of like just. Just gotta get in there and try and see what, uh, see how it affects it, you know, and learning the different effects they have when used, you know, with the other modules. But you, okay, so you said the dual oscillator yeah. is one that you're gonna want. And the, is it the Twin Waves or the Clavis? Is it just the brand? Like if somebody. Yeah, Clavis. Clavis. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, so, I've got it going a little too fast. 
damage we're doing. Let's just... Okay. So... This would be a great project for children. <laughs> You're not wrong, um, because I, and honestly, it, it is. I feel very childish a lot of times because I mean, there's, like a, certain, that. there's just... a certain play aspect to it, mm -hmm. to where you don't really know what you're doing. You know, I mean. Well, I didn't. I didn't mean it in like a way, like to like to um, insult your no, insult. No, no, I'm just saying, like, because it does. It learns. It teaches you a lot about electricity and sound and the waves and probably a large a lot of mathematics involved in that. Yeah, the, but, fo the um, folks that make these are brilliant. But just being able to move these, you know, wires around to make different sounds. But also, I say it, it's funny because I'm sure parents would probably be, be thrilled to be like <laughs> as they learn hearing these sounds. You know. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, so when I, I originally I was a, a drummer in in high school, mm -hmm. I, I started out playing on garbage cans with tape, you know, stretched over them. Um, my mom probably wished that I could have had a modular synth back then because, uh, yeah. it, you know, it was a full size drum set. You can't really put headphones on. Yeah, you know, and, and with that's sim true. Cymbals I mean, and everything. really any instrument when you're just learning, you know, it can be very obnoxious. Yeah. Yeah. We gotta learn. Gotta start somewhere. But um, yeah, yeah. Just just like, you know, when you think of, would you call this an instrument? Definitely. When you think of instruments, like you know, definitely this isn't something that comes to mind. You know, like I've heard of them before, but never really like thought about the applications of using them. But yeah, it's definitely on the fringes. I, I would say it's it's not um, mainstream per se, but. More and more, you know, thanks to the internet, it seems like it's becoming more mainstream just because of, you know, YouTube and all the great content creators that are out here. Um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of folks are, you know, are learning about modular sense and, you know, they're kind of falling in love the same way that I did. Um, it, 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 you know, I wasn't joking, you know, when I say that uh, we wouldn't know each other if it wasn't for modular sense because it was about two or three years into, you know, I was working in a different kind of engineering job, you know, but I was playing with these modular synths and I was just thinking, man, you know, I, I'd like to work in control someday. Not really even knowing what that really meant. You I will know, say for the, the audience traditional that say. we are co-workers and we build and wire, and I've, I've probably mentioned this before, build and wire control panels for like uh, water treatment purposes. So, um... Yes, we probably wouldn't, but I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Go on. No, 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 mm. no. And, and that, that's a great kind of segue, you know, of how things you learn with a hobby can turn into, you know, a, a career. Yes. Because mm -hmm. I, I really, I honestly believe that a lot of the fundamentals that I learned from working with Modular Sense, it really helped in the interview with Jed because I could talk about voltage and, you know, controls you know, not not directly related, but just understanding, you know, that controlling one thing with another thing is a thing. Yeah. You know, and that's really the essence of, you know, the not just wastewater, but industrial. I'm doing an industrial one right now. Yeah. That, you know, you have to figure out the system, you know, or the, the, the circuit path, you know, that you need to have the end function. And 
there's, I guess, a, a pretty cerebral aspect of modular sense in that if I'm just starting with a blank slate and I have no nothing patched together, I'll kind of like think through how I'm going to patch it, you know, in terms of what I want to do what and how. It, I'm speaking really, really generally right now, but, you know, if, if I want it to have, you know, sort of a breathing feeling to it, then I have to, you know, route, you know, a low frequency oscillator maybe with, you know, some... Um, you know, one minute or two minute intervals, you know, wavelengths, you know, I might set Pamela down to like 30 BPM and have the pitch of it controlled, you know, uh, you know, by the control voltage over the span of like five minutes, mm -hmm. you know, and have this, and, and this is kind of like well, how people get into generative music, which is sort of, you know, an ambient long-term approach to creating a sound, you know, you could, some call it creating a sound space, you know, by having these, in a sense, automated systems that generate these combinations of control voltages and tones, you know, which create the timber, you know, over long periods of time. And they have these, you know, generatively, you know, hour long pieces that was just one patch, but because of the wavelength and the length of the oscillations between cycles was in, you know, the minutes, you know, or 10 minutes at a time, and then to have multiples of those that don't really ever overlap at the same frequency mm -hmm. set at the same time, you essentially have a unique piece of music that's an hour long. Right, yeah, that's really cool. So, and I'm glad you said all that, um, you know, about being able to find something that you love to do and turn it into a career. But also, I mean, it, it sounds like there's a lot of problem solving um, involved and um, and again I think for people to like just to learn like a new hobby I, I mean I personally I love problem solving and it's kind of almost like a puzzle like um, and I don't know if he explained but when he says patching it's just um, like a, a wire with like a headphone jack on each end you're know, plugging into the port so it's just making those connections between the modules um, but how you said that you have to try to kind of almost envision the, what you want and then figuring out what inputs or, or things need to be adjusted to create that in mind so you are going in with kind of like an idea of a sound that you want to make and figuring out how to make that sound so I mean I don't know that's really interesting to me because it seems just like a different way of thinking about it and you know it is kind of like an art form too and I don't know things like that are really super up my alley like when I was thinking of doing architecture there's like you know the, the mathematical side and then the artistic creative side and you know it's almost kind of like that you know like I said with like the problem solving and like the end project is a piece of art you know um but figuring how to manipulate the wave to make that kind of sound and to be able to draw it out like so there is like i don't know a lot more flexibility i think in it than originally what i was thinking this was and and i will say like i said we're we're co-workers and i've been having to kind of like i've been wanting to really ask him um like about what we were going to talk about it's funny because the topic changed a few times because he does make a, a lot of things you know um, but like, I wanted to be able to kind of like learn as we're doing this and like come up with kind of questions on the fly because it is something that's so like, I don't know. I didn't even, I don't know, maybe other people have had more experience than me, but like, cause I didn't really know what to, what to think or how it necessarily it, you know, worked in this capacity to see it. It's really cool. And like I said, I'll post some videos and pictures from his setup. Um, 
You, you want to take a quick break? Sure. Cool. All right. Roll the music. <laughs> um, I was just going to go into the, the way it's laid out is left to right. I mean, it's relatively, uh, I would say, cohesive to having like a decent musical-ish circuit. Um, so that's why I have Pamela at the front because her clock uh, kind of runs everything. And uh, so, and there's also some inputs, which is interesting because you can actually use other modulators to drive the main clock. And that, you, in theory, you could have some like polyrhythmic effects by having, uh, you know, two or three different uh, scales, you know. So, um, depending on the control voltage going into one of these, it could affect, you know, the overall tempo of everything else on the board. Okay. Um, and then, so. Moving to the right of the uh, rack I have here, um, above and below, I've got two of the main uh, modulation or envelope sources, uh, but modulators that are modulated by other modulators. <laughs> I have those in the front because of the just the patching logic of left to right, it makes more sense to have the modulators, period modulators, in the middle and then when I'm driving the control voltages for those, those cables will ride, run back against sort of the flow of the rest of the circuit, uh, just out of necessity. Um, because if I don't want to use them, which has been the case for most of this discussion, I can then just rely on a pure modulator to make a, a voltage. Okay. So that's kind of why I have the clavis twin waves right in the middle. Okay. Just It's very accessible, it's right there in the middle. Um, if I want to bring in some complexity from the left, I can, um, or I can just use the bass, um, you know, notes uh, and just drive them out because in theory, this could be used to drive um, something besides just a speaker or headphones. Um, one of the applications that I've used with my rack is for driving some uh, tactile transducers, which are, they work on the same principle as speakers, but they have a different mass that they drive. And so instead of driving a cone to move air, it drives a massive weight to move a person. Okay. And so these can be used to, you know, essentially help deaf people hear music. Oh, because okay. Because what they do is it, it basically transforms, because everything's vibrations, mm -hmm. you know, and so um, uh, these are, th these tactile transducers are tr traditionally used in like uh, cinema seating. And I say cinema because I mean like fancy cinemas. Um, and what it allows you to do is replicate the feel of bass oh, okay. without actually having to vibrate the whole room. You okay. just vibrate the person. So kind of like at Universal Studios, like I think it was back in the day um, when Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was a big movie and you'd go in and, you know, when somebody, the dog sneezed or something, it would like spray water. But like, the, yeah, the vibrational chairs, you know, they had like speakers and things built in to enhance you know, whatever is going on. So I know, like, the, the water one's not, obviously, like, what you're talking about, but oh, just to kind of, like... Uh, exactly, it, yeah. But those vibrations, you know, slight, make a big difference in the, how you, you know, perceive being in that situation. It, it does, it does. And there's a practical side to it because you can have the big theater sound without annoying your neighbors. Yeah. And, and so that's how they find, you know, traditional use. I use them more as a, like, an intuitive... Um, sort of oscilloscope so think of it like a tactile oscilloscope okay so you have one of these like on a in a cushion that you're sitting on while you're mm -hmm. using it and 
um, and actually in that same uh, application, professional drummers use it to uh, when they're playing live okay. so that they can feel the rhythm of the other musicians that they're playing with while That's they're playing. Interesting. It. And so that gives you a more intuitive sense of the other musician's rhythm that yeah. they're playing on. Okay. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's sort of like the, a driving pulse. But it, it, when you're when you're playing around with different waveforms and envelopes and you know wave folding and wave tables. It helps to have just yet another representation of what's going on right. because it's such an abstract instrument. It's mm -hmm. almost like a violin, but you can't see the strings. You have to think about what the strings, right, exactly. how they're supposed to be put together. Uh -huh. And so, and but you can put it together in different ways. So, um, and then so, moving closer towards the right side of the rack, um, it starts to get closer towards effects or you know things that are gonna be um, modulating other things. So in that way, the signal will pass through them. So it made sense for me to have that type of module on the right. So uh, a great example of that is like a fold processor, which on itself, on its own by itself, it doesn't make any sound. Um, so it's gonna be modulated by something else. And that's gonna be the carrier waves that come out of the Bifaco or Bifaco rampage or the, um, uh, Clavis Twin Waves, which is, uh, and then the uh, NW1 Waldorf Wavetable module, which is kind of my main squeeze, which mm -hmm. uses a whole, totally different type of, of um, uh, synthesis than the rest of these modules. It uses wavetable synthesis, which is uh, probably one of the more modern, one of the, if not the newest kid on the block when it comes <laughs> to uh, you know <clears throat> music synthesis, and. It, just in its nature, it had to be modern because it, it has it relies on uh, microprocessors to um, go through the functions that I'm about to explain. So, the different uh, I guess the core concept of of wavetable synthesis is you have a wavetable that's triggered by a control voltage or a modulation source. Now, there's a table of waves for each sample. Each each setting when I turn this big red knob. It's sort of like a different range of tables, okay? And whatever it's playing at any given time, whichever slice of the wave, can be controlled by yet another modulation source. So at any given time, what position that we're on in the table, we can play with it. And also, um, for each table, there's also different spectrums. And so there's kind of a spatial aspect. And when you look at the wave table, they actually would have to be printed in a book or in some sort of... Uh, screen because it's a three-dimensional set of like graphical waveforms that go in two different dimensions so it's almost like a plane and uh, this uh, Jones O tool which is a, a really really great little oscilloscope multi-tool um, one of the modes that you can put it on is 3d oh yeah and so this is kind of a good um, I'm gonna see how much I can keep it within the wavetable module in using this to sort of visually explain what's going on in the table, where we're at, and how the position in the table changes the sound. Yeah, I can't pull the table out of the, of the chip. But what we can do to demo the um, modulator is I can run the um, 
run the LFO, low frequency oscillator, through the oscilloscope, and that's going to generate the second dimension. And a little bit of color always makes things nicer. I um, am taking a video of this while he's doing it, so, um, so we'll be able to post it. And you know, when y'all do go to watch the video, um, you know, one thing you'll see is how there's a bit of you know visual synchronization between what's going on on the scope and the waveforms and this just basic LED here, which is indicating the period, you know, or the you know wavelength of the modulator which is the in the y-axis on the little screen there so if i turn it down it's going to start looking a little different that's cool it's like okay so i'm gonna describe it in case you guys don't watch the video but it kind of looks like um one of those foam mattress pads like the egg carton things but like all of the little you know picture of a bunch of those waves you know and he's manipulated them to get bigger and smaller it's very mesmerizing yeah. Is there, there, so there isn't an audio associated? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, um, so I probably should finish that thought. So, um, okay, so we can get to that. Turn the spectrum down. So it's a pretty complex noise. It, it is because we're talking about different. Um, in a way, it's kind of like a sample, which is like a, a digital capture of a certain sound bite. You know that you can play like a, a you know a snare drum going bang, you know, or, mm -hmm. or a kick pedal or something like that. Um, but it, it's an instrument in the in the way that it has different sounds in the same sort of I don't know uh, tonal entity. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So what I'm gonna do with these and it's got three multifunctional patches, and I say multifunctional because there's these three switches here, and these switches control the function or the you know what it's currently doing. So I'm gonna change the spectrum which is input three, using a LFO on a different time scale. And it's gonna start sweeping across the spectrum uh, frequency range. Maybe a little bit slower. There we Ooh. go. Okay, I have a question. Say you were trying to make like a series of noises to make kind of like a piece of quote unquote music. Could you take something else and layer these different tones on top of one another? You know, kind of like a, like a mixing board of for the different sounds. You know, like kind of to make like almost like a electronica kind of music. So. There's a few different approaches to that. 
you can have, I would say, phrased bass composing like that, where you, which, I mean, I'm, in theory, it would take quite a bit of work. I could figure out, using inputs in Pamela, how to switch between, let's say, like, different verses. Uh-huh. Um, and then I could have... Anyway, this would be very, very amorphous if I just had this one driving it. Um, one or two of these controlling, one or two of the oscillators, um, root, and I could switch between different... Like, if I was going to go an accord change in a t- traditional Western song, I could use the <clears throat> quantizer. I could uh, do a little bit of math and figure out what voltage I needed to go from, like, an A major mm-hmm. to a, you know, D minor or something like that. And I could set up one of these control voltages to actually hit those two notes. You know, that's kind of how they did it back in the day. Is yeah. They would, you know... Uh, it's it's not a log- logarithmic scale. It's a linear scale. It's one volt per octave. Okay. So an octave is sort of like one, you know, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. Mm-hmm. You know, one full, uh, full scale. And so all of the notes in that scale are subdivisions of one volt. Okay. And so you get five octaves mm-hmm. in general because we like to use five volts just because... A lot of other things use 5 volts, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and it also uses 12 volts, because yeah. a lot of other things use 12 volts. That's Makes that's sense. that's why Behringer made the Euroact standard the way he did, because, and I'd have to look up, you know, what the older standards use, but he just made it very, very um, practical and, like, obtainable, you know, for the common person. Were you going to talk about something about Euroracks? Yeah, so Eurorack is just the basic standard, is what we're playing with right here. Oh, okay. That's what the standard of, um, you know, how these are put together, you know, the space between the screws and all that. Okay, I have um, one more question. Or Did you have anything else you wanted to add before? Um, no, I mean, I, I think ha- having the O-scope here kind of goes over to, to an adequate extent. The um, the way that wavetables are different from just the basic waves that we started out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think it's one of the more fascinating modern... Um, synthesis methods, and I, I don't think it would have done my rack justice if we did an episode about this and uh, didn't talk about that sort of, you know... Uh, it is really fascinating, and I think uh, there's kind of like, um, you need to switch your brain over from thinking like normal music, you know, because this is something that is so different in a way, and... Um, it's someone that's not familiar with it. Like, there's still parts of what you're talking about. I'm trying to like trying to wrap my head around, you know, that I just feel like just until like you get in and start playing and experiencing it, you know. Um, I mean, I think it would be a really fun hobby. Um, but for somebody who was just getting started, um, one thing that as I read, as I was kind of like learning a little bit about it before you came on. Um, it was saying that there are desktop versions, um, des- desktop synth- synthesis or synthesizers, yeah. as opposed to the modular, which is what you have. And I don't know if maybe you wanted to talk about maybe a little about the differences or maybe some of pros and cons, if maybe somebody was wanting to get into this themselves. And um, I know you, I think you'd mentioned that there was maybe an online... Um, platform that maybe people could p- 
play around with it also if they were thinking about it to see if it's something that interested them? Sure, yeah. So, I, I mean, I think setting expectations is a good idea. So it, it was quite quite a journey for me to get to this point. And, and I did start off using those desktop synthesizers. I actually still have some at home that, that I still play with, you know, now and then. Um, so Korg makes a lot of great ones. Roland, there, there's a lot of international um, manufacturers that have, you know, Dozens and dozens of different models, you know, that you can buy. Some, you know, you can fit in your pocket. You know, they're 50 bucks, you know, and some that are, you know, you have to have a whole cabinet, you know, and a, a dolly to move from mm -hmm. place to place. Um, so, but specifically for modular synthesizers, an online resource that I've used quite a bit is uh, Modular Grid. And uh, I don't think I've talked about that quite yet, but it's a, um, it's a, it, allows you to build a, a digital representation of the rack and kind of plan out what modules you want to get over time because there's such a steep learning curve with most of these modules that you know the, the process of developing whatever rack you want to have is pretty long term and so it's helpful to have a way to plan it out so that you know what size case to get and you know how much it's going to cost mm -hmm. and what's great about modular grid is it even tells you how many milliamps it's going to consume so that okay. you can scale your uh, your power supply appropriately um and but but as far as actually learning about how they're going to sound uh, a great uh accessible uh, resource is vcv rack which allows you to download and even some of these um module manufacturers have even created digital modules for VCV rack so that when you go and build a rack you can actually use the same modules and they behave exactly mm -hmm. the way that they would when they're sitting on your desktop and you're playing with the knobs and patching them up That's it, cool. it, it's, it's pretty great to be able to hear that and you know just get a feel for it obviously it's not as enjoyable as having the physical patch cables and you know having the spaghetti and you know putting it together but as far as like learning the fundamentals, it's really the best way. It doesn't cost you anything at all. The, the program itself is totally free and open source, and there's dozens and dozens, and if not hundreds, of modules you can download and make your own sound in your own rack, and you can take it with you wherever you go and not have to have a big old case like I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did look, look like he was moving in. <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, modular since it's not, I mean, as like a first instrument, I wouldn't really recommend it, you know, because it's it's just, they're not particular. the price is coming down generally, but, um, you know, this little rack that we have in front of us here, mm -hmm. I would say probably about $3,000 worth of modules. Yeah. If not, I mean, if you, and that's not including the case. Yeah. Which was another 350 Tell them about your 200. first case that you told me. Well, my first case, right, I was a, a cardboard box, which is uh, what the, my first module was shipped in. <laughs> so I cut a hole in the side of it, turned it sideways, and had a, a power supply that I fashioned out of a, a USB cord that I cut in half. So, so depending on what modules, you don't always need 12 volts. Um, but, um, I, you know, depending on your comfort with, you know, um, DIY electronics projects, you know, this could be you know, far below your ability or far above, you know, it's just the kind of thing that you have to sort of get into. Mm -hmm. um, I think my very first synthesizer was a little Korg Monotron, which I think they're still in manufacture. They're like 50 bucks. Sounds like um, spacey. <laughs> it, it, you know, it kind of looks like a little, Alien. so it's, it's got a ribbon keyboard. It doesn't even have a full keyboard. Mm -hmm. It has like a little flat and it has 
Um, so it, it's, it's kind of analog in that when you sweep your finger across it, it doesn't really have notes. But if you follow the spacing that they have printed on it, then it's kind of like a note. But it's cool because you can like um, do vibrato like on a violin. Oh, okay. And it runs on batteries and, mm -hmm. and has a speaker built into it. And th th that's, I think, like I've give, since given that to my daughter. They're great for kids because it's just a little noisemaker. You know, like yeah. We used to have them back in the 80s. Oh. Yeah, I think that um, there is something to be said about like having this in front of you with all the, the knobs and switches and being able to plug it in. You know, But it, it, I guess it is nice to have that tool, like you said, for planning your your getup or your setup. You know, But also, if like I said, if you are just wanting to learn beforehand, so it sounds like you could learn and figure out if you like it, you know, before you even have to necessarily spend a dollar on any of the mods. Um, but you said it's getting more popular. People are starting to find out about these. And yeah, yeah. There's really been a, like a, a renaissance or a resurgence of, of um, in, in Eurorack and, and modular synthesis in general. Uh, some of it I attribute to Stranger Things. Oh, I, I yeah? Think, yeah, well, they just had a lot of prominent synthesizers in, in, the, in the music, and it's kind of brought back this whole 80s vibe. That That's what I was asking. I was asking you before if there was anything, like like a show or movie, that people would like be like, now go back and be like, oh, that, that's a synthesizer. Okay, I know what he was talking about. So you said Stranger Things is one? Oh, yeah, yeah. When, when you, you know, a lot of like the opening scenes, you know, how this beat, like, mm -hmm. and all these, like, with all these really sharp, that's a synthesizer okay just like a you know probably a triple stack you know unison oscillator uh -huh. with a highly resonant so they call them self-resonating filters when you hear that sort of like chirping sound oh yeah so one of your modules is called the resonator and oh, so yeah. uh, we were saying that it's too bad the resonance isn't here <laughs> yeah so i was going to put together just a little patch it was like a drum beat so one of the things that I really appreciate with modular synthesizers is that, you know, it doesn't... It, musically speaking, it's a low barrier of entry because it's not virtuosic in, in the sense that, like, you know, there's um, a physical, impressive, you know, ability that you develop from getting it. it it's really cerebral, and um, it's... But, but it can be also very meditative, and so one of the things that I like to do is to just take out um, a basic like drum synthesizer, some sort of like beat, um, and then run it through rings. Which is the resonator modulator. Yeah, modulator. rings, which is, yeah, it's a ring modulator. And what it does is it, it, uh, it has some fancy circuits in it. This is all analog. Uh, some fancy circuits in it, and it, um, it has different uh, modalities of resonance that you can cycle through and uh, it has some automation jacks here so that you can automate the knob twiddling that uh, will, uh, will modulate the sound. So what I'm gonna do is use Pamela. Uh, you can just hit this button. It's got a big red button right there in the front. Mm -hmm. But we're gonna have our metronome and so it's just gonna do that periodically I got it at 160 cranked up a little bit and then we can change the structure and the frequency of resonation and have it 
little bit. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, like that. Hey, dude, maybe just a little bit lower. Well, it's hard. It's hard to know. You just have to follow your heart. <laughs> no mistakes. Just happy sounds. Happy, happy little accidents. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there are some patches that would just come together and just kind of, like, help. I don't know. Just kind of add a little reverb. I can definitely see how this would become meditative if you find those sounds, you know, that are pleasing to you. And it's it's happened before where I've had like a decent sound and then it's like, I'll change one thing and it's like, oh no, wait, go back, go back. <laughs> what did I do? And there, you can make a patch book and, you know, keep track of what you do. You know, you, you, can, you can use it instrumentally speaking, you know, as like a Ouija board or as like a metronome or like, you know, a, a temple gong, you, you know, in terms of its place in your life. Yeah. You know, it, it's not, it's just, to me, it's, it's just like a, a tool, you know, that I sometimes use for, um, you know, meditation sometimes for, you know, trying to understand a a new wave type. I mean, there's so many combinations. And, you know, maybe next time we'll talk about wave folding. But okay. uh, kind of out of time for this case. Sure. Yeah. Uh, honorable mention to WMD. They just filed for bankruptcy. They're, they're discontinuing. Uh, they originally made guitar pedals, like distortion pedals for you know, like rock. Mm -hmm. And uh, they started making modules about oh I don't know how many, how many years ago, but. But they've been around for like, I don't know, 30 years, 40 years. I've seen their distortion pedals. A, a lot of this, um, a, a lot of the traditional um, manufacturers will make, also make modules. Uh, Waldorf, you know, they make pianos. <laughs> like wooden, wooden pianos. I'm pretty sure they make wooden pianos. That's cool. But they also, yeah, make Waldorf. Um, some of them are huge companies, some of them are mom and pops. It's really a, a diverse ecosystem, and it's really hard to believe that the standard's only been around for about as long as USB. Yeah. Maybe a little bit longer than USB. But, yeah. I want to say early 90s. Well, that's really cool. I definitely learned a lot. I think it's very interesting, and... We're gonna have to play with this on our lunch break one day. <laughs> um, but I just want to thank you for coming on and opening us and their guests to the wonderful world of modular synthesis. Well said. <laughs> well, it's called mod my, synth. My, I don't. I want to make sure I'm using the correct. It's my pleasure. You know, in I, the hip terms, so I don't sound like a total square. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. It's just a shorthand mod synth. Like. Uh, yeah, my pleasure. Right, thank well, you. We'll have to have you on again, and this has been fascinating. And thank you so much. Um, keep making shit. Did you have anything that you wanted to? Um, anything you wanted to plug? Ah, oh, plug. Um, tip top audio. I mean, they never gave me nothing, but their their, their modules are pretty good. All right, tip yeah. top audio. You heard it here, folks. On the Let's Make Some Shit podcast. Have a great week and keep making sure.
Thanks. Thanks.